Welcome to B and J Experiment. This is where we're going to discuss daily life topics, issues. Anything we're basically interested in talking, you guys can go ahead and listen. Yeah. Uh, for the folks coming, uh, listening in from Arizona or viewing us from Arizona, we're eventually going to have some video camera these first couple podcasts we're just trying to get our feet and get some uh, followers but we'll talk about any type of political views um, from super left super right mo moderate on the fence who knows severe what's going on. yeah i mean yeah. we'll talk about legis um, legislation that's passing go ahead and just comment drop us a line let us know what what you're thinking uh, anything you want to hear us talk about or you don't want to hear us talk about, we probably won't listen to you on that part. But <laughs> tell you. the thing is, is we're just kind of, I mean, we're just average people just having a conversation. I mean, there's nothing, you know, we're not affiliated with anything. We're just two guys uh, who are drinking some beer and having a good time and gonna just be talking about topics <laughs> how's your past week here what's going on Anything um new? nothing's really new um it's been pretty busy at work so, uh, i just had a birthday so that was uh fun last year in the in the good old 20s before you know i guess adulthood comes it's gonna be terrible yeah, you're, you're you're behind me, bro. A couple of years, man. That, you know, later twenties feels super weird. I just, just, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. I feel immature at some points, but then I feel like, wow, I need to grow up. See, I I feel this. I'm sure there's many people that can attest to this. Is I feel like I'm still in my early twenties, except when I look in the mirror. <laughs> and you try to lift weights. Dude, I was so I, I just went to the gym today. Pathetic. Especially, you know, when I was 23, 24, and now I'm 29. It's, it's kind of sad. Kind of sad, to say the least. Well, yeah, I mean, I started running with this men's soccer league, which it would be really cool to get this um, Randy, the team coach on our podcast he's like this older guy he's been his uh name is randolph actually Andy. <laughs> he's cool he's he's been playing soccer forever but getting in on this men's soccer league which i haven't played soccer in outdoor soccer full legitimate league really since i was a young kid and um just getting my sea legs and being able to run i mean i used just not being in any shape at all. <laughs> it's just crazy, it's terrible. Yeah, let's see, what did I do today? Did a little bit of bench, a little bit of uh, the hammer uh, press, and some triceps. 15 minutes on the elliptical, I was all done. <laughs> well, you know, the, the big point is just, getting in it doesn't matter what you do as long as you get in and you actually know what you're doing and you're doing a couple things that's all you can do I mean I don't know I just I remember when I was just getting in and I was doing 
four workouts, and I was like, fuck this, I'm going home. You know, the thing is, is I know, I know what you have to do. I know what I have to do to get to that point, but I don't want to do it. That's what it comes down to is, do I want to spend a hundred to $200 a month on, on subs? No, mm-hmm. I don't. Do I want to, you know, only eat one thing and be all particular, start counting things? No. I, I don't. Not not right now. I think... I think this late... Not, I wouldn't say this late in life, but getting at this point in life, I think what's most important is learn, learning how to um, eat a variety of things and just having that discipline of like, no, I won't have that extra carb of like the french fries or the potato chips or no, I won't have that ranch with my whatever. In, in or is form. it you do want that stuff? Well, you do want it, but I'm just And saying, you do it, but you just work out harder, right? No, that's when you're younger <laughs> though. But at this point, it's like you can do all the right things without being how you were. Like weighing your chicken, weighing your... Oh God, I hated that. I mean, you don't... I, I feel I'm a strong believer of, um, and last time we talked about that ancestry, well, it was DNA fit that piggyback off this raw ancestry data, but I'm a big proponent of going off kind of that profile and being like, okay, I'll have all the meat I want and that can taste good and I'm not going to not under season it or under flavor it because, uh, you know, I, I'm going to eat it how I want. I'm going to try to stick to a nice clean diet, like clean meat, which we're both believers in. And, um, that's all I feed my family or I try to at least. And, um, and then vegetables, things like that. And then, then when you get to the gym, you're doing functional things. You're not trying to like lift super heavy where you hurt your back or blow a shoulder Mm -hmm. or strain your neck or whatever. So you're out at work because you can't, we can't, you know, give up that time, but just getting in there and just being like functional and getting that all around strength, getting those accessory muscles. And I think there's just a better way to go about it, about it nowadays than going from that. I'm going to be super strict. I'm going to just have protein, creatine, blah, 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 my sups. And I just think there's a better way to go about it now. And, and, um, there's a more practical way, like, yeah. you know, when I was single, you know, I worked and went home and worked out. Like, when that consumes your life, you can do that stuff. But once you start bringing other people along, it's not practical for them. Like, my wife is not going to be eating chicken and pasta, whole wheat pasta and all that stuff. You know, she wants to eat real food <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to give up anything either anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think it's excessive to have bread with every meal unless you're, um, unless your genetic profile says, Hey, yeah, you should have bread with every meal. Yeah. But I feel like but it's Oprah has bread every day. Yeah. But. 
What is she? You know, Oprah <laughs> is a billionaire. Uh, maybe not a billionaire, but she's close and has personal trainers, personal chef, personal this and that. No. She has, what is that? Slim Fast? Or not Slim Fast. Uh, Weight Watchers. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm sure she has tons of people doing this stuff. For oh, her. sure. Oh, everyone, listen to the sirens for uh, going to the hospital. Oh. Oh, they're getting close. Oh. So Josh and I are both in the medical field. We'll, we will not disclose what we do, but if you know us and are listening to this podcast, you probably know. But uh, those sirens give me anxiety all the time. What about you? No, you don't bother me. Yeah. Well, fuck you. Because, well... I don't give, I don't care. <laughs> um. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the, the topics of today. Um, we're going to kind of go over a few things that cover different areas, uh, just so we can kind of keep these more compact, because, you know, as you could probably tell from our first podcast, we definitely discuss a lot of random stuff, which is kind of what we want to do, but we kind of want to keep it not three hours long. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, the first kind of thing we're going to cover is going to be, uh, um, Brett's going to talk about this new campaign, uh, Stop the Bleed, and uh, I'm going to give this over to Brett so he can kind of discuss a little bit more about it. Yeah, so, um, you know, Stop the Bleed's not really new, per se. Um, I would say the deployment is not solid. Uh, the American College of Surgeons and uh, the Hartford came out with the Hartford Consensus, and they basically, and this was after Bo- the Boston bombings, and they basically said tourniquets save lives. Why are tourniquets not everywhere an AED would be placed? Why do civilians not know what tourniquets are or how to place them? Why? Um, does that all the, everyone know everything about CPR, but they don't know anything about tourniquets? So their goal is by 2017 to have 80% of the United States trained, and I could be off by like 20% or something. They want a majority of the United States trained. Well, it's, to, it's 2017. No one's fucking trained. About probably 10% of people are trained in the United States, and and I chalk that up to lack of funding, lack of um, regional trauma center support and um that that's a big deal uh, a big stat that that i uh that kind of hits home to me is that um in america and they know this from videos and videos of these shooting mass casualty events is that 80 percent of the people flee run away when something goes down 10% of people um, hide, and then 10% of people help. And so... That's interesting. No, 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 that's wrong. I, I said it wrong. So 80% of people flee. That's that's right. 10% people, 10% of people freeze. So that's that. when I said hide, I meant freeze. So 80% of people flee away from whatever's happening. They run the opposite direction. 10% of people freeze. And then 10% of people fight. 
I mean, it comes down to that fight or flight mechanism, you know, like where that being in that type of situation, you know. Well, when you look at the the 10% of people that fight, it's your lawmen and women, your armed force veterans or people who are reserved or um, coming back from deployment or going to deployment. Those are the people who run towards and make take action. Um, and that's something that hits home to me. It's like you look at these videos and we could pull one up or listen to audio and, and eventually we'll have that capability where, where we can show you what we're watching but you pull up a video of the um, one of the airport shootings and literally this guy starts shooting and a good majority of people run a smaller majority of people stand there and hide behind nothing like they're hiding behind a planter and the patient the person's like 300 pounds it's like dude the guy's gonna shoot you that planter is way too small it's like a plastic planter someone's trying to hide behind and it's like what is the logical thinking behind that and then um then there's people that will take action and so um and then you compare that to israel um israel military service is mandatory in every single citizen in israel 80% of people fight. 10% of people flee. 10% of people freeze. When you have that 80% of people fight, what does that mean? That means that they're going towards the action. That means that they're putting tourniquets on. That means that they're packing wounds. That means they know what the hell they're doing. When um, when you get the, the, those people, they're carrying tourniquets on them every day they're carrying supplies every day because you never know when something's gonna go down in that country and and that's probably with most countries in the middle east it's only a matter of time in our small little mountain town college town two walmarts one mall one trauma center ski resort um, multiple events that bring in tons of people we're between three major highways. We have one airport, small airport. It's only a matter of time. Only a matter of time before something happens to this town. If you remember two years ago, we had a, um, a shooting on the NAU campus. We had only two victims because one was dead on scene. We had two victims from that shooting that overwhelmed the emergency department. The only two victims before that shooting, guess how many tourniquets we had in the emergency department? Two. <laughs> You're right, we had two. Guess how many we have now? A lot. Six. <laughs> what? You have six tourniquets? Might have eight. We have a pneumatic tourniquet, which is an OR tourniquet, and it's a big machine. It takes two. It takes two minutes to warm up. We have two tourniquets in the front in the triage. We have two tourniquets in the back, and then we have a, a few tourniquets in the trauma bay. How many extremities do you have? Four. How many patients do you think we can t take care of with those tourniquets? Two. <laughs> two or three, right? <laughs> yeah. So are we any better off now than we were then? 
This is a community hospital, a regional medical center, level one trauma center that cannot care for more than three patients with more than one extremity penetrated or injured. And, and it frustrates me because there, there's a lack of organizational awareness, a lack of organizational, uh, organizational support at this time. And it's something that I need, you know, as a, as a community, we need to work on. I don't want my loved one that gets two crushed legs or gets two legs blown off to go to a medical center because God, God knows how many tourniquets will be left by the time she gets there. Right. Um, so, you know, it's pretty interesting. This guy, um, Sid Vale, he is a rock star. Uh, he is the, the one of the biggest celebrities in the medical field in this state. He goes all over the world, or all over the country, I don't know about the world, but um, he teaches Stop the Bleed. And I really like Sid because he um, he wouldn't mind us, you know, showing or listening to some of his audio. He wouldn't care about that. And um, he pro proclaims that um, his method's better than Beacon, right? And he has lots of friends that have done Beacon. Beacon's the bleeding control course. That's for Stop the Bleed. That's the ACS-approved course. But what Sid's done is he's taken that course and he's revamped it because it, it, he's right, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a bland course and want to know what their steps are in that course, the first three steps. What are they? Run, hide, fight. Run, hide, fight. What? Run, hide, fight. And if in five minutes, five minute rule, within five minutes, everything's okay, then go fight, which means help, right? So you're not really like necessarily fighting any, anyone, you're, you're going to help most, most times. It's just insane. It's insane. You're, so you're, you're telling people nationwide in our United States where everyone's very out of shape, very just not, there's not a lot of testosterone. There's not a lot of people with, um, well, you know, that can regulate their cortisol levels. They're, these people, it's just insane. And so what Sid's done, oh, go ahead. I, I'll, no, I mean, I was just going to build off that point of, you know, yeah, land of the free, home of the entitled and, you know, and the brave. What happened? You know, I don't know. Yeah, That's the thing. It's like we go around and we just feel like we're so entitled to this land that we live on. And we just have that, we don't have that sense of, of who we are as a nation. You know, people love to complain and, and do all these things, but nobody, nobody stands up anymore. Nobody pushes the limits. Nobody's saying, you know, just think about going to the moon. How many people were like, yes, sign me up. Where do I sign up? I want to help. Let's beat Russia to the moon you know nobody wants to do that anymore they're too busy doing whatever they're doing they're too busy being lost in their own world well, 
I think I honestly I'm a states I don't know if that's the correct terminology but I'm a statesman where I think the state has a lot of the state should have a little more power the state should um, provide a lot of this stuff um, in, in the armed forces and this is from Adele Lopez, so I'm quoting him. So I, this isn't because I'm not, I've never been in the armed forces, so I, I couldn't tell you. But in the armed forces, it's 80% um, training, 20% action. So they're training all the time. They're training, they're training, they're training, they're training. A lot of the time, shit doesn't happen. But they're training, and when shit happens, they're prepared, they know how to operate. Um, the civilian world, healthcare organization. 80% action, 20% training. Or less. <laughs> or 10, 5% training. Right. You know, you look at, long, you know, are there training hours dedicated to employees of a healthcare organization, of a community? Is, I mean, the county. The county um, injury prevention folks are stretched so, th so thin that they're pulled in all kinds of directions. Are they going to do this? No. The state needs to take more responsibility and provide funds and make it mandated. The state needs a mandate that there is a stop the bleed kit at every AED site and that there's a stop a bleed in AED at every place, any any place someone, um, a group of people congregate. This is what I find interesting is we have AEDs, but you know who knows how to use AEDs? Probably no. healthcare providers yeah. and first responders. So if one of those people are not around and you go, where's your AED? They're not going to even know what you're talking about most of the time. You know, it's just now like you can walk around and you and I can look and be like, oh, there it is. But for the most part, are people going to know, even know what to do? And that's where like, you know, we graduate high school and we forget. And, you know, like, we don't have to be on top of the, the latest a AHA, you know, way we're supposed to be doing things. But if, if we all have an idea and it's built into that, like, part of your high school education when you come out is you have a CPR class or a, a health training class. You spend, you know, one class, you know, just like you have mandated you know, government economics. It should be, you have a mandated class four, you know. No, absolutely. I, I agree. You should have a, man, uh, a mandatory class. Every high school student should take a semester, and it should be their last semester before, you know, senior year or something, you know. Oh. It should be one semester of health, of community population health, um, you know, like all this injury patterns, any, um, anything, anything that you, you know, CPR, stop the bleed, BLS, basic BLS. And, and I would even go one step further and say that states should mandate that cities and towns train 80% of their population. And if they don't, then they cut their funding. And that sounds very communist, socialist, and it might be an idea that way, 
but I don't fucking care. You know, I think people need to be more aware. It's and like I said, it's only a matter of time. The Pulse nightclub incident in Orlando, Florida, I was lucky enough to watch um, two presentations from those uh, the trauma surgeons there that were there that night that that happened, the bombing there. I'm sorry. I got confused with the bombing because the police had breached the, the back wall, which was the bathroom with a bomb. And they, in the hospital, heard the explosion. That's how close the hospital was. Um, there were two city blocks away, which is a little more, um, is a little more distance than what we're used to here. But two city blocks away, they felt the breach when they breached that wall in the bathroom. They, this is a, um, this trauma center, I believe, gets the second or third most trauma in the United States. Um, and they were ill-equipped. They were calling surgeons and anesthesiologists and OR teams from um, their OB tower that's across the street, I believe. These guys, admittedly, were ill-equipped and they were running low on supplies. They didn't um, have enough tourniquets and things like that. And they did a pretty good job from from what they had, you know, from mm -hmm. something like this. The, the um, So two city blocks. You want to know how long it took for EMS to respond? <laughs> I don't even want to know. Eight minutes. Oh. Um, it, was faster to, it was faster to put the victim in a police cruiser and drive to the hospital. It was faster for a bystander to throw a victim in their car and drive to the hospital than it was for EMS to triage the scene and transport the patient. Eight minutes is a long time. How much blood you lose from your femoral artery in eight minutes, you, you lose it all. <laughs> That's the answer. You you don't have time. So they, um, you know, they did this great, wonderful presentation and, um, you know, from the Boston bombing and from a lot of the mass casualty events that have happened since. Um, we know that civilian, um, not, I wouldn't say civilian, we, we know that um, improvised tourniquets, such as belts, sheets, stick, what, whatever you want to use, they're only 20% effective. So when an administrator at a hospital says, yeah, well, I could use a sheet or I could use a belt or no, we're not in a movie. <laughs> These there's two, two to three types of tourniquets that are highly effective that the military has demonstrated that are effective that we need to invest in and we need hundreds of them. We don't need, we, we need more than six is what I'm saying. We need more than eight. We need more than what we have now. We need a backstock of, hundreds of tourniquets. And Sid, um, when I was talking to him, to, to him um, about this, about helping me get some support on this and get some footing, he, he said that his own hospital, they know, they know to call him if something like this happens. And he's in Central Phoenix, he's in Copa. So they know to call him because they know he's gonna have hundreds of tourniquets in the trunk of his car. <laughs> he does so that's just kind of stop the bleed campaign look it up um, talk to your local legislators talk to your congressmen your senators talk to anyone you can 
let's get this shit going. Start with your mayor. I mean, they're paid for nothing. I haven't. I don't even know what the mayor Flagstaff does except allow giant businesses in to take our money, to up taxes, up wages. I mean, it's just insane. So um, really get on these people's in their faces, on their emails, just really blast them, troll them if you have to. I mean, I'm saying get these people on board because it's a disservice to our country, it's a disservice to our community. You don't want your loved one bleeding out because you don't know how to apply a tourniquet because you're a dumbass who doesn't want to take advice. So, that being said, uh, you have some couple things pulled up here. Yeah, so uh, there's this new latest study that the New York Times actually pulled, um, and they were talking about um, overdoses are now the leading cause of death of, Amer of Americans under the age of 50. Um, I know you were talking about kind of off the off the podcast, but how a lot of first responders, police, um, and even Kingman is kind of the first place to fully deploy giving Narcan as, you know, for these probable ODs. Um, Narcan is a reversal for opiates. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, if somebody is, you know, dying because of their of an opioid dose and that includes heroin um you're going to give narcan and it will bind very quickly and the, the length of time that it's actually working is actually pretty small so it's enough to save them get them to a hospital and then hopefully give them some more when they arrive um so the data says that 59,000 people died of overdoses under the age of 50. Um, so it's a kind of a big deal and um, I was watching one of the my YouTube guys that I watch um, and uh, I totally agree with what he was saying. He was saying, you know, why do we criminalize all these drugs I'm not saying I don't believe that we should totally decriminalize it, decriminalize it, but I do see that there is more of a need for rehab and and education in that regard, and because it doesn't matter what you do if they they're going to do drugs regardless. It doesn't matter what the crime is. You throw them in jail, they're going to, you know, it's like eighty thousand dollars a year to have one inmate in. They're going to go out, they're probably going to do it again. They're going to relapse or whatever, and they're going to do it again. And then what's going to happen? They're going to go back into the, the system. So, <clears throat> well, you look at, um, just to piggyback off of that, you know, you look at Denmark, one in three prison cells, one in three is occupied that's it one in three prison cells is occupied because it's humiliating it's a humiliation deal you have to do intense community service it isn't like oh you're on probation and go pick up some trash it's a um it's a serious deal it's humiliating you are in jail 
you are not normal if you're in jail there. It's not something cool. It's not something to gain street cred. It's, hey, you're in jail. You're a dumbass. You're, you got caught doing something stupid and illegal. You're going, um, and you're going to go do something productive. Now, I don't think a lot of these drug drug people should, you know, these drug um, offenders should be in jail unless they're trying to, if it's a child abuse drug case, then they should be in jail and they should get raped, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, what we're talking about, you know, we in our state, at least, Arizona, I mean, nationwide, this is a problem, but it's, it's a big problem in, you know, Phoenix and Kingman and I'm not really so much in our town, but it's very interesting that, you know, a small city like Kingman is the only agent police agency to um, fully deploy this, that the officers are giving Narcan before EMS even shows up. And that speaks volumes to how these rural, really rural communities in Arizona Fire departments and police departments really work together and they get things done. And that's something that I think us in bigger towns and cities can learn from because we're, it's just like looking at kids playing micro soccer. I'm running circles over here. I'm going to run circles over here and maybe yeah. we'll kick the ball in the middle. <laughs> and the thing is, is, yeah. So, you know, people think, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not addicted to drugs. I just take oxycontin or i just take it's prescribed it's, it's prescribed to me and it's like there is addictive properties to it you know it's an opioid it doesn't matter if it's heroin or or oxy or whatever oh kratom that's what i just thought of that's the one the thing they're growing in texas that's like Illegal to grow anywhere else, I believe, but it's it helps with addiction, opioid addiction, kratom. Kratom. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. But I mean, I I kind of am a proponent of. I am. I am not kind of. I am of. Hey, you want to smoke weed? Legal. You want to do heroin? Let's provide safe pharmaceutical grade heroin. So you do it safely. You don't overdose on it. I know there's was I mean, it Vancouver is doing that. Or they're well they're they're not supplying the heroin, but they're Yeah, I don't say supply it, but they're supplying the needles and the cl the clinics. So you can go to a clinic and there's uh, EMS providers there who are monitoring patients just in case to stop these over ODs. Hey, you wanna get high? We'll come in and enable you. Come and, on into the clinic. And part of me is like, yeah, what's, I mean, yeah, it's a good, pretty good idea. But then another part of me, the, the little Republican nipping at my heels is like, you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you get three strikes, you're out. You, you catch you once overdosing. We'll help you catch you twice overdosing. Okay. We'll help you three times. I'm not wasting my drugs on you. What if they just implant a Narcan like dis like dispenser, and well, so like it would detect high levels and it would just oh man I wasted that money. It would just reverse it. Well, there is a drug I believe in it, 
and it's the same way it works kind of with nicotine and we'll have to look it up it might be kratom i don't i don't think it is but um there's a drug that you give it to these opi opioid abusers and you give them this drug and they can't get high once if they take opiates so they don't want it after that oh i can't get high off of this because i'm taking this drug Search with the K, yeah, Kratom. Like that? K-R-A-T-O-M? Yeah. That's the shit, brah. No. Um, in years in Southeast Asia, as an anti-diarrheal medicine, a painkiller, and a recreational drug. Kratom is the popular name for a tree, and the drug comes from its leaves. The drug may be bought in leaf form, but in this country it is more likely to be purchased as a capsule filled with powdered leaf material or a chopped up form of a leaf that can be used for tea or smoking. Most people ingest the drugs. The effects of kratom come on rather quickly and last between five to seven hours. It's a long time. Although high dosages can last longer. Uh, kratom is heavily promoted as a legal, undetectable, safe drug that can be used to come off stronger, stronger drugs. It is not yet illegal in the U.S., but the breakdown products of kratom can be detected with some drug tests. Because of its legality, the drug tends to be more popular among young people who cannot yet buy alcohol and who may be concerned about being arrested for weed or other drugs. Uh, Kratom is included in a newly defined class of drugs called New Psychoactive Substances, so named by the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime. In the 2013 World Drug Report, Kratom is on this list with Kahat, Kahat, another plant, this one from East Africa, Salvia deforium. Oh, so it's the Salvia shit. Yeah, a plant that is widely available in the U.S. and today and synthetics, ketamine, methadrone, and others. Many of these drugs are not yet illegal in the U.S. and Europe, despite their dangerous and addictive effects. So, I, I believe Texas is the only state that can grow, is growing this and will, will grow. I think it's legal in every other state, but that you can still buy this shit online. But um, the key word in there is, it's it, it takes you off of harder drugs, right? Makes sense. But um, there is a drug that you take, and I, I believe there's a clinic being set up here in our town. But um, they'll give you this drug, and then any, if you try to use opiates, it doesn't work. I feel like I've heard of something like this. I don't remember what it was called. How about a... Um, Opioid addiction drug. We'll have to look that up. It's pretty crazy though that that's that many people are addicted, and it's crazy. Uh, I don't know. Oh, Vivitrol. Yeah. Uh. Yep, that's it. Is it? Or are you just saying that? No, it is. Uh, 
prevent relapse to avoid opioid dependence after opioid detox. You must stop taking opioids and other opioid containing medications before starting the patrol. You should not take Vivitrol if you are using or have physical dependence on opioid-containing medicines or opioid street drugs, have opioid withdrawal symptoms. Opioid withdrawal symptoms may happen when you have been taking opioid-containing medicines or opioid street drugs regularly and then stop. Uh, It's like, what is it? I guess I can just click and say, see what it is. Uh, opioid addiction is a chronic relapsing brain disease that affects people psychologically and physically. Effective treatment programs often focus on both aspects of addiction through counseling and medication. Virtual is the first and only non-addictive once monthly medication that when combined with counseling is proven to help relapse to avoid opioid dependence after detox. Do you know why they call it a brain disease? Hang on. Vivitrol blocks opioid receptors in the brain while you work with psychological aspects of counseling. And that's why. That's why why it's a brain disease. Well, any type of medication that affects your neuroreceptors is a can be considered considered a brain disease. Yeah, so if you have a addiction to it too much. It's a brain disease. It's a brain disease. (laughs) Because you have a you're addicted to the endorphin release. But I don't get it on my hands, so. Yeah. <laughs> so then it's not a hand disease, it's yeah, a. Because I heard if you get it on your hands too much, it gets good cancer. Oh, yeah? Oh, that's what that is. <laughs> All right, so that pretty much wraps up, you know, this uh, medical side. So there's been some kind of weird stuff in the political realm. Um, this, the old CIA or uh, FBI director, he's been on tri- uh, trial with the um, Senate. Com- yeah, the Senate. And uh, I don't know. I've heard some Comey. mixed mixed things. I really haven't paid too much attention to it, but well, it's sa- it sounds like he's. He's said that he's released not sensitive material, but material that maybe he shouldn't have. Well, when you're in that kind of situation where you're calling the president out on his shit, and then all of a sudden you're in the hot you're you're in the hot seat, you're gonna kind of you're gonna leak leak some information. Um, to kind of implicate someone else, but yeah, you know what I'm more interested in is Arizona news. Oh, look at that! Lake Havasu City, and it's a gold star for the hottest place. That's where 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 lots of people actually live. It's a good place for all kinds of crazy stuff to go down. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm sure that you know we've all heard of Havasu, going to Havasu for the parties and and all that stuff. So, but. Topless parties. Yeah. Well, when it's 130 degrees outside. No one's wearing clothes. Nobody should be wearing clothes. Yeah, but don't be in the shallow waters because you can get some amoebas in your ear and then you'll die. Yeah. Um, Renter needs higher wage to afford a two-bedroom. 
<laughs> wow, imagine that. Oh, Arizona. Oh, I was gonna say Arizona Daily Sun, but Arizona Daily Star. Yeah, the Daily Sun kind of sucks, but um, it, we rec- we talked about the um, wages being raised last podcast, and I would have to say that recently, a couple coworkers of mine quit to go down to Phoenix, where they make significantly more money and spend a lot less on houses and um it's just kind of how it is up here no one really i mean cost of living so high it's insane but we are when you say arizona's not all desert i think i think there's there should be a disclaimer on that because we are all desert we're just in the high desert even though we get the second most snow snowfall annually in the I don't nation. I don't think Flagstaff is considered high desert, is it? Might not be, but we are high desert for sure. I feel like very high desert. That sound is Josh typing away to figure out if that if I'm I'm fact check checking uh, Brett. Fact check me. Fact check. <laughs> I'll delete those out, but yeah. Maybe I don't know how to delete them out. Where's the okay Wikipedia? Here we go. Fucking Wikipedia. Uh, climate. The climate is a semi-continental climate. Five distinct seasons: a cold and snowy winter with ex- extended dry periods. Punctuated by deep snows that once, about once every three to four weeks, a dry and windy spring with occasional snows. So they're giving us... A very dry and hot early summer from May to early July. A wet and humid monsoon season from July to early September. And a dry and a pleasant fall, which lasts until the first snows of November. The combination of high elevation, low humidity provide mild weather conditions throughout most of the year. Hmm. Predominantly clear air and high elevations radiates daytime heating effectively resulting in overnight temperatures generally much lower than daytime temperatures. This means a 55 degree day in January can drop to 15 at night. Winter nights in fact can be extremely cold with temperatures dropping below zero degrees F on five to six That's days. Fair <laughs> so I feel that when you have those temper when you have those temperature variations, I feel like it that's the definition of desert. Is it? I don't know. I think I'm right though. Oh, well, of course you're right. Yeah, of course. All right, so we don't really have much for news. So today, uh, June 9th, we have been drinking Modelo's Negro. Negra. Oh, it is a name. Um, it is a medium-bodied lager with a slow-roasted caramel malt brewed for a rich, smooth taste. And it was pretty tasty. 
Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty good to be honest. I, yeah. I, I like this book better than their regular stuff. I typically, us being such beer snobs, I don't think we drink a lot of this kind of stuff, so it was good I'd mix it up. Oh, uh, I mean, you can thank my brother in law, so. Yeah, thank you, brother in law. And then, oh, go ahead. And then we have a uh, nice Guinness Nitro Stout, which is actually kind of surprisingly hard to find in our um, little city here. But uh, yeah, so we had the Guinness Nitro, which is pretty good. You know, I'm more of a fan of Guinness as it pertains to Irish car bombs. But um, yeah, so I'll talk a little bit about uh, firearms. And, I, and, I, and by a little bit, I mean like by just a little bit. I really want Ruger, who is a Arizona gun manufacturer, <laughs> to come out with a their LCR9, which is their um, semi, their compact version of the LCR, or yeah, LCR9, no, LC9. The LCR9 is the revolver version of the LC9, basically just a small firearm, concealed carry. I, they have that, but I want them to come out with the copper version where, I mean, it would look so cool. I think they all they have right now is the 38 Special in, with the copper um, um, cylinder, and it would be really cool to, to have them do it in a 9mm with the copper cylinder, copper color cylinder. It's not really copper, obviously. You don't want to be heating up copper and, you know, the weathering on that would be terrible. But it's a copper color, some type of um, strong steel. But it, if they came out that, and I've been meaning to call them for three weeks to just call them and say, hey, can you guys make this for me? And how much would it be? Because they, they usually are pretty cool about doing that. They'll make you a gun? They'll, yeah, if they've already made it, they'll cast it in a different color or whatever it is. They'll, you know, they'll change the cylinder. So they're pretty cool like that. Um, but it's just a matter of calling them and I haven't done that yet. So that's kind of what's going on with guns for me at least. I mean, I'm sure you guys are all saying, why do you want a 9mm? Well, I have like two nines and they're my open carry weapons and I like them because they're what NATO uses and they're universal and they're good I like them I have a 45 ACP I have a 40 I, I really like my 9 and I want a, um, a concealed carry revolver because there's no fail and I just want one. I, want, I don't want to change caliber bullets. I don't want a 38. I don't want three. I don't want any of that extra. I don't want to buy any more ammo than I already have. I have thousands and thousands of rounds of nine, and that's what I want to stick with, and that's why I'm sticking with it. So, and I know um, Ruger isn't the only show out there. I know Taurus makes a nine revolver, and I think Smith and Wesson does as well. But. Um, I really like Ruger because I'm an Arizonan and I love that they're a Arizonan manufactured firearm. Proud to be a, an Arizonan, huh? You know, 
I had this realization over the past two years that, yeah, I am. I used to be a little ashamed of it, but I'm not anymore. I've never been ashamed of it, but, you know, that's just me. Well, you're a special person, Josh. Don't say my name. Say my name. Say my name. Well, how long have we been on this? 54 minutes. Perfect. So we could start wrapping things up. Uh, yeah, so uh, we covered some of that stuff. Um, reach out to us on Twitter. <clears throat> reach out to us on our podcast. You guys can hit us up anytime. Uh, we're going to start up a Facebook page here anytime. But uh, for the time being, please listen in. Bear with us. We are getting our bearings. We definitely want to make something local, something statewide, something nationwide. We want we want some followers. We want some listeners. We want to talk about normal shit. We're going to eventually have some good people on this podcast. Um, I already have a lineup in my head, not on paper yet. <laughs> but we will have some interesting topics. We just have to get some followers, and, um, and then we can get these people on. So, yeah. Sounds good to me. Uh, looking forward for her to see where this year goes. All right. You want to go ahead and do the ads and let's get out of here. Wrigley's <clears throat> um, Fitness, uh, where you. We're going to go ahead and do Wrigley's uh, Dildos.com. No, uh, go ahead and tune into Drone Days. It's a YouTube channel. It's freaking awesome shit uh, Josh does over here. He does it all over the nation, and um, he's just getting more and more popular with it. And then also uh, check out uh, <clears throat> peakviewimagery.com. Uh, uh, that's our uh, Part 107 fully licensed FAA um, aerial photography company so if you guys are local or uh, anywhere in northern Arizona you can let us know and we can uh, help elevate your real estate commercial um, needs imagery needs um, so let us know check us out uh, we're going to be producing more and more podcasts more videos at some point um, so Last ad, uh, make sure you check out Wrigley's Medical Consulting, LLC. We do perform all your uh, medical consulting needs as it pertains to emergency departments, trauma rooms, EDs, ICUs, respiratory. We do everything. Um, we'll revamp your whole system, clinics, anything you want. You let us know. We'll come in. And we'll show you a different way. We'll make it snow with Coke. I can't believe those. <laughs> Just kidding. So we'll, we'll make it snow with some cocaine. And uh, I think your employees will be... More efficient. They'll be more efficient. Your productivity will skyrocket. And you know, that, that hot office, office chick that you've been trying to get with. And I know that's you, Ernie, over there. Oh, Ernie. That, that hot office chick you've been trying to get with, all you have to do is get her hooked on Coke and she'll suck your dick for anything. So she will suck your dick for some Coke. Just a little bit of Coke. Just a little bit. 
You don't even have to tell her it's not coke. You say you say that hey, this is coke, but it's really lactulose <laughs> or sugar. I've done that. <laughs> All right, guys. Peace. Later.